0: The text for this Christmas Day worship service is from Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5. Let's read that once again. But when the time had fully come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive the full rights as sons. We will sing after the sermon from hymn 12, the stanzas 1, 2, and 3. Of congregation of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, it's the custom on Christmas Day to have a sermon based on one of the Christmas stories contained in the Gospel of Luke or the Gospel of Matthew. There we find the gripping details about the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. We read there about the birth itself and about the circumstances surrounding his birth, that there was no room and no inn, in the inn, that he was laid in a manger. And we read about the shepherds in the field, and the magi from the east, about the angels, also about the dream of Joseph, Joseph and many other details. It's a fascinating story. And I have preached in the past about every single one of them, at one point or another. But, The Gospel writers are not the only ones who wrote about the birth of Christ. Paul did so as well. And he does that here in his letter to the Galatians. He does not give us any additional particulars surrounding the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, but he does give us some important elements that need our attention. He tells us about the purpose of the birth of Christ. And so then, rather than preach about one of the gospel stories again, I will preach to you about what Paul says about the purpose of the birth of Christ. The theme is as follows. The purpose of Christ's birth is to give believers full rights as children of God. And there are four elements in the text that bring that out. First of all, the function of the law. Secondly, the timely birth of Christ. Thirdly, the limitation of the law. And then finally, the redemption of God's people. First, I may deal with the function of the law, which shows us the purpose of Christ's birth. The text begins with a little but very important word, but. It's a pivotal word. Paul brings us from a negative thought to a positive one. That is often how that little word, but, functions. First, some sobering news, but then it puts it all into perspective with some good news. The word but balances the one thing off against the other. We have something very serious to tell you, but now the circumstances are such that changes everything for the good. That's also what Paul does here. In the first part of chapter 4, he reminds the Galatians of their origins. He reminds them of the fact that once they were slaves. What kind of slaves? They were slaves to sin. They were slaves to Satan. They were slaves to the vicious cycle of life and death. They had many fears. They had many strange beliefs. And they had many superstitions. And they also lived in a world full of hatred, full of resentment, full of anger, and full of futility. And so their lives were also full of turmoil and conflict. And they desperately wanted to get that out of that vicious cycle. However, try as they might, Satan held them firmly in his grip. And that is because of the fall into sin when men Forged a relationship with the devil. Mankind's fate is now intertwined with his. And that's exactly the way the devil likes it. That's the way it's always been also today. But, and there comes that pivotal word again, but Paul then comes along and he tells them about the Lord Jesus Christ. He told them that through the Lord Jesus Christ, they can be set free from that destructive relationship that they have with the devil. They actually could change their lives, and they could receive a totally new life. They could be set free from the devil. And then those people, they embraced that message that Paul gave. It's a whole new life for them. They now knew that through Christ, they can have the forgiveness of sins. They could understand now that as children of God, they did not have to fear anything. They could do away with their superstitions. And they realized also now what a great heritage that God had stored up for them. And that all was given to them free of charge. But the devil doesn't let easily go, brothers and sisters. He wanted them to believe that they could not receive all that from God without having something to do for it. And so when the Judaizers came along, those Galatians, or many of them, fell for it. And who were those Judaizers? Well, they were Jews who had become Christians, but who had not fully embraced the gospel of Christ. And do you know what they taught? They said, oh sure, Christ is wonderful. He gives you these three things. But don't think that you don't have to do something for it, for your salvation. Don't think it's all that easy. And those words fell on fertile soil. The Galatians liked that. And you know, that's the way we are as human beings. We give gifts so that we can receive something in return. Even if it is just to receive some praise and recognition. We want to be recognized for the good and kind persons that we are. And that's how the world gives. It gives only in order to receive. And it's also how this world now celebrates Christmas. They give gifts ultimately to satisfy their own souls. And it is for that reason that we have to be on our guard. It's not wrong to give gifts. But that is not how we have a relationship with the Lord God. We may fall into that same trap, therefore. For if we want to base our relationship on something that we offer God, then we are on very dangerous ground. And then we are right back to the tyranny of fear. For how do you know if your good works, your gifts of good work, whether or not they are good enough. And if you think that you can appease God with your faith, how do you know that your faith is strong enough or good enough? And so we have to take the words of Paul to the Galatians to heart. He says to them in chapter 3, verse 1, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? And he says further in verse 10, All who rely on observing the law are under a curse. The law, your good works, are not meant in order to save you. That is not why God gave the law to his people. Do you know why God gave the law to his people? He gave the law to them because he treated them like children. He gave the law to them in order to help them, not to save them. That has never been the function of the law. God's laws only make clear the rules of the relationship. They do not establish the relationship. They are not the basis of the relationship. And there is only one who can keep the law perfectly, who can show us how to maintain the relationship between God and us. And you know who that is, don't you? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is why the Father in heaven sent him when the time had fully come, as the text says, when the time was ripe. We come to the second point. What does that mean? Does that mean that When the time had fully come that now they had the Israelites had come to full maturity, that they are no longer little children, and that now they have understood the law, and so now Christ could come. Well, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, that was not the case. The vast majority of the Jews did not accept their Lord and Savior. They remained worldly in their thinking. The coming of Christ did not really have anything to do with man as such, It wasn't so that man was ready for his coming. No, God was ready to send him. And he he alone knows why the time was ripe. God does not depend on man to set his, his schedule. It's true, of course, that there were many things in favor of the Son of Man to come when he did. At that time, there was a common language, namely Greek. It made it much easier for the gospel message to be proclaimed. Also, there were Jewish synagogues all over the civilized world of that day, which made it possible for Christian missionaries to reach both Jews and Gentiles simultaneously. And furthermore, travel was easier than at any time in the history of the world. The Romans had laid a network of roads throughout the empire which were patrolled and on which the travelers were protected protected from thieves and robbers. However, those were not the reasons that the time was ripe. Why then did Christ come when he did? Because the Lord God deemed the time to be ripe. He did not want to wait any longer. God said, it has to happen now. My son has to come to the earth now. That's what I promised And it's a wonderful thing that it did happen, isn't it? A few days from now, we will once again enter a new year. It's been a little over 2,000 years since the birth of Christ. And during those 2,000 years, a lot has happened. God's word has gone throughout this whole world. Many people have become converted. At this very time, believers can be counted in the millions and millions However, it's still only a small portion of the world population. It's only a small percentage. The majority of the people all around us, they live still in slavery. Man still thinks that he can save himself. Mankind is looking forward to some kind of utopia. Something that they believe that they are going to be able to create here on earth. Listen to the environmentalists of today. That is now the new religion of the world. But it's a secular religion. It brings you right back into fear. Man without God is full of fear. He puts his hope in man. He thinks that man is going to save this world from disaster. He thinks that man is going to unlearn his wasteful ways. They think even that he is going to unlearn war. Is that what's going to happen? Is man slowly but surely smartening up? If that's true, then how come this world is still in such a mess? How come there are still so many wars? How come there are still so many people on earth who will kill others in order to advance their own cause. Look at what happened on September 11, 2001. This world is not smartening up. It's just as evil as it always was, if not more so. And what about in the homes of the nations? There is no real peace there either. As a matter of fact, that is also getting worse. The divorce rate continues to climb and to climb. There is no peace for little children. Think about the thousands upon thousands and thousands of babies aborted every day all over this world. They are violently ripped from the wombs of their mothers. This world is not going anywhere except down. It is not moving upward towards a utopia, but it is moving towards hell. And that is why the true Christmas message has to be heard. All over the Western world, Christmas is being celebrated. But how? In the plays, in the nativity scenes, in the sermons of the liberal churches, there is spoken of that sweet little baby, so tender and mild. But is that what Christmas is all about? Is it about some innocent little child that came into the world to sweetly turn the hearts of men to God? No, God sent His Son when the time had fully come to save this miserable world from the mess it is in. That is why Christ came. Do you know what a timely and wonderful deed of love that was? Do you realize what a great gift that child is? And what it cost in order to send that child here on this earth. When the father sent his son, then he did not send him to some safe place where he will be well treated and looked after. That's what we would do. If we had to let go of our child, then we would make sure that he would receive the best care that he could. But what did the father do? He sent him into this world full of sin and misery. He sent him to a people who would not take care of him at all. On the contrary, they would abuse him. They would ridicule him. They would scorn him. He sent him into a world full of liars and murderers. And in the end, they nailed him to a cross. And the Father knew exactly that this was going to happen. And yet he sent him. Why? Well, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, because of his great love for his creation, and because of his great love for the crown of his creation, man, and that's you, that's me. That is the great love that the Father shows to us. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Man had plunged his creation into Ruin because of sins. And yet God comes and sends his son so that he could rescue this world. And note well that the text does not say that he was born of a virgin. That does not mean, of course, that Paul denies the birth of Christ. No, he says he was born of a woman. And he mentions a woman because Paul wants to emphasize Christ's humanity. He was born in the same way as every child is born into this, into this world. A woman gave birth to him. He was like us in every respect except sin. And that means he was prone to hunger, to thirst, to disease, to pain, to temptations, to fears, to death, to everything that we are prone to. And he was also born under the law. That brings us to the third point. Now, those are just a few words. But those words, the fact that he was born under the law, are full of significance. Do you know what the significance was for the Galatians? For you and me? Well, Christ is the one who had a perfect relationship with the Father. And on behalf of us, he maintained that relationship by showing us how he could keep the rules of that relationship. The law. And that was the case from the time of his incarnation to the time of his death. He did everything perfectly according to the law. And he was circumcised on the eighth day. He was presented in the temple on the fortieth day. At that time, sacrifices were also made, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Everything required by the law of the Lord was done. And you see, God established those kinds of regulations and rules in order to show what kind of a relationship He has with us. A relationship of love, that we belong to Him. And that's why Christ had to keep also those mundane laws. And as Christ grew up, He also perfectly kept every single law of God. He kept the ceremonial laws and the moral laws. There was nothing lacking. He also allowed the law to be executed upon him. He was both actively and passively obedient to the law. For he allowed the law of God to be applied to him because of the sins of man. The Lord Jesus Christ took all the sin of man upon himself and he allowed God's wrath to be visited upon him. Because we did not maintain the relationship of God by keeping the laws. He kept it for us. But do you see what the law can do? Do you see the great power of the law? The law is able to kill you. That is what the law did for Christ. It brought Christ to the cross. But do you also see the weakness of the law? All the law can do is to convict you and to kill you, but the law cannot make you alive. Only Christ can do that. And that is what the Galatians had to understand. And that is why it was so sad that once again they went back to slavery, to doing things in order to be saved. Christ saves. We look to the law to save us. But it's impossible, brothers and sisters. For if you want to earn your righteousness through the law, then you can only do that if you keep that law perfectly. And you and I, we are incapable And that's why he says that those who want to keep the law are under a curse. Christ came to remove that curse. He came to earth so that we may receive the full rights as sons. He came to redeem us, to set us free. We come to the last point. The people of that day knew exactly what Paul meant with these words, for they lived in a world where slavery was widely practiced. Sometimes it would happen that someone who had been a slave for many years would be bought free. Some benefactor would pay the price of his freedom. As you can well imagine, that was a great and wonderful thing. You no longer had to be at the beck and call of your owner. You're free. You had your own time to yourself. Now, in the same way, Christ has bought us free from slavery. And you may say, in what ways were we slaves? Well, all those who do not belong to the Lord Jesus Christ are slaves. It is absolutely impossible to be a free person without the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh sure, there are lots of people all around us, they think that they are free, but that's not the reality. Look at the slavery that they are in. Those without Christ are a slave to the cycle of life and death, and they are a slave to their own flesh. They are a slave to Satan. For without Christ, you will share Satan's lot in the lake of fire. Satan brings you down with him. He brings you down to hell. And of course, unbelievers do not see that. But that does not make it any less a reality. The Jews, they thought that they had gained their freedom through the law. That the law could make them acceptable in God's sight. But how wrong they were. And that is the message that Christ came to proclaim. That is the message of Christmas. Christ came in order to redeem those under the law. He fulfilled the law for them. But he did not just set us free and let us do whatever we want. No, he also made us his own. It's very important to also realize that, brothers and sisters. For do you know what happened to a slave during Paul's time who was bought free? Well, then that slave would be on his own. He would have to look after himself. He didn't belong to anyone anymore. And that is why it would happen in some cases that a slave did not want that kind of freedom. Their masters had looked after them well. They gave them to eat and to drink and shelter and protection. While they were with their Lord and Master, they had everything that they needed. And so even though they were free to go, they sometimes would remain with their Master. Our former Master, Satan, only wants to drag us down with him. And that is why we need to be totally free from him. But the Lord Jesus bought us free with his blood. But then he did not just leave us to fend for ourselves. No, now he made us his own possession. For you see, on this earth, you must belong to one of two masters. You either belong to Satan or you belong to God. There is no middle way. Christmas is a wonderful celebration. It is a celebration of the fact that Christ came in the flesh. And what was the purpose of his coming? The purpose was, as it says in the last part of the text, so that we, you and I, might receive full rights as God's children. Can you imagine that? From a slave to Satan, to a child of God. Isn't that wonderful? And as a child of God, you do not have to bring anything at all to your Father in Heaven in order to receive those riches. Children receive their inheritance not because they worked for it, but because they belong to their Father. And so, do not try to bring anything at all to the Lord your God in order to receive those riches or to add to them. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, it's impossible. You cannot bring anything to the Lord your God. It's even an insult to him to think that. The only thing you can do is come before your Father in heaven with a thankful and with a joyful heart. And you show your thanks to your Father in heaven in the way that you honor him, in the way that you show how much you love him, for all that He has done. And that is why you will not want to disappoint your Father in Heaven either. You will want to keep the rules. You will want to keep the laws. Even though you know you can't. And then you know Christ came in order to perfect your walk of life. You do not want to go against God's laws if you are a thankful child of Him. And if you do, go against this loss, then the Lord will also forgive you. That, beloved, is the kind of freedom the Lord God has given us. That's the wonderful message of Christmas. Christ came in order to make you heirs. He came in order to give you full rights as children of God. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that something to celebrate? Amen. Let's sing from hymn twelve, the stanzas one, two and